Hello, this is the Comments Tale podcast. My name is Ty. I'm Caitlin. And today we're having a conversation from our local park. So you may hear ambiance of birds or children or water or utility vehicles. People yelling at us. <laughs> what have you. Um, I wanted to say, well, we wanted to say, first of all, thanks to everyone who's been listening and giving us encouraging feedback so far. It's been really nice to hear that um um yes and today's conversation was prompted by um some voice messages that i sent caitlin yesterday um bemoaning the trials and tribulations of trying to find a job um basically i was saying that i was feeling frustrated by the fact that i really am uh, looking for a job and that I want to find a job and that I'm very eager to secure something and you know I've sent off what feels like probably over a hundred resumes by this point over the last several weeks and have gotten very little feedback mostly just rejections occasional follow-up sometimes an interview but then you know things have not worked out for one reason or another um, and I was complaining about the fact that although I really want to find a job and I'm, you know, open to this, it's just not happening for the, whatever reason for the time being. Um, but anyway, this prompted a discussion between us about dreams and about dream as vision, I guess you could say, um, and about having the need or the importance of having strong or active or sharp visions um, in order to know what you're working towards basically um and we got into a really great conversation and we wanted to continue it and share it yeah um another reason why we're doing it today is i was you know listening to these messages and i was like i really want to follow this feeling of wanting to be authentic time-wise to our conversation Mm. as well um because I mean, I'm not doing anything else, and, like, Ty has other things going on sometimes, and, but, like, why not do the podcast when we're called to, as opposed to, like, having a set schedule, um, because, I don't know, things have seemed powerful and, like, useful thus far, and so, um, yeah, we decided to meet up today as opposed to waiting a couple weeks um and just release as we see and feel authentically is possible and um relevant so mm-hmm. um well that makes me think of another like ambition i guess i have for the, the doing the podcast which is like you say to yeah have our thoughts sort of like on the spot to not just sort of like plan or kind of like um uh, kind of fabricate conver- conversations or topics that we want to talk about, but to really have them in real time, like you're saying, to sort of use the spur of the moment and the kind of like, you know, whatever might be going on for us in our own lives as the kind of impetus to tap into bigger conversations that feel um, sort of um, ripe to ripe. have. Mm. Um, and also, something I wanted to mention that we had discussed but that I, we hadn't shared last time was also this, this thought of like using this podcast as like I guess a kind of like second draft of 
our ideas and our questions and our own experiences where you know between the two of us privately that happens in a very rough draft way um in a way that's organized to us but does not maybe externally appear organized um and so the idea here was to use this kind of context as um, one in which we can sort of test out or try out and share and kind of like further evolve um any kinds of ideas or visions or aims or ideas or thoughts that we might have um you know in a way that requires us to kind of like distill that and to make, to clarify things a bit further and to hopefully get feedback too along the way um, to make it to allow those ideas to be open through this platform yeah so our kind of topic today that we've authentically come to is the idea of dreams um Ty's already mentioned dreams as as vision as like visualization of a life of the future Um, And I think right now actually would be a good time to read this passage. Um, There's a deck of divination cards called the medicine cards um, that I use quite often. Um, And I use them at least yearly. uh, And we have a little ritual at the beginning of our year for our family of choosing these cards and um, among others and this year my one of my medicine cards the animal is a lizard and lizard rules dreaming um in this uh deck and i'll just read this short passage here if it um ever loads and is not blurry um well i can see the pertinent information here and it says Dreaming is going into the future, Snake. I go to where the future lives. You see, that is why I know you won't eat me today. I dreamed you, and I know you're full of mouse. So prior to that little um, thing that Lizard says, like, Snake had been rolling along and sees Lizard sleeping mm-hmm. in under a shadow, under a rock, and Snake is like, Lizard, move over. Like, you're, like... share your shadow and he was like um and then lizard kind of wakes up and he says oh like snake um i knew you'd be coming and he's like how and he says i've been dreaming you um and he also says in this passage um you are looking for shade while i am looking for shadow Mm. and uh, mm. goes to explain like dreaming is dreaming is this shadow realm um, not in the way of you know valuation of like shadow being bad but shadow as in not yet seen mm. shadow dreaming is this shadow world that um, ha- has to happen before manifestation mm. before reality um i wish that whole (laughs) that picture would not be blurry but um i read that and that was you know uh powerful and exciting for me to read at the beginning of the year um because that's i mean in it in uh accordance with what we said last week or last episode about um 
you know, in order to have agency, you have to first be in this kind of soup of <laughs> like crucible soup. crucible soup to that you are not quite yourself yet mm-hmm. um and you're not quite assembled yet um and mm-hmm. we're both you know in in my view in my uh analysis like analysis of our situation like we are in dream we're in the dream time right now we are thinking mm-hmm. about what we want to do what is possible for us and it's a crucial point to be at mm. um it it looks um, we'll talk about this in a minute when we talk about big fish but to a lot of the to a lot to outsiders it looks like um, you're sleeping like you're dreaming. sleeping yeah it looks like you're sleeping it looks inactive it looks um like lazy lazy or, it's a very moralized thing to dream yes. i think mm. and um but like Lizard says, the dreamer knows what the dreamer does, I think. And that's the important part. Mm-hmm. I mean, another sort of idea that we've been sort of talking about lately is like one's own duty to oneself not to sort of like explain or justify or like make coherent yourself for other people or for the external world, but to do that for yourself first and foremost. Or really that's the only duty, I think, is to sort of make yourself... Um, to immerse yourself in your own dreams, I guess, to use that word. It's interesting because also I'm remembering now on the first of this year, I pulled a rune tablet, I guess they would be. Yeah, just like a, yeah, A sure. stone. Caitlin's family has these, um, this great collection of like, I guess like Gaelic or like ancient. They're Irish, Viking. Right. They're Nordic runes. Mm-hmm. Um if I had the book, I would say what version of the runes that they are, but they're they're Nordic runes. Um, but there's these little stones, and they have sort of, <clears throat> you know, characters on them, and I don't remember the name of the one I pulled, but similarly, it was about shadow and about um, integrating shadow and about the kind of um, the potential of doing that in in giving attention to what is neglected, what is um, turned away from, what is like maybe otherwise too, seems too inconvenient or um, kind of um, evasive to like bring to the light. This rune was saying, it was just kind of affirming the the significance and like the, the treasure of doing that, of really taking time to to dream your dreams and to bring them to the fore and to actually take them seriously um and to use that as a kind of like the impetus for for living a life for like kind of allowing yourself to unfold um it's interesting also because it makes me think how what we call like waking life like Mm. is really anything but that in a lot of cases right like um dreaming and kind of like this i mean we're maybe kind of veering off towards something more like a more like psychoanalytic or like kind of Jungian interpretation of it, but like dreaming and like kind of using the unconscious like as a a tool, it seems like that's, it's actually like a really important part of like kind of, um, I guess enhancing wakefulness, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it does occur in a way that is, um, that requires you to kind of, um, maybe kind of turn off your sort of attachments to the outside 
day of light world um yeah and i think also what you say like um this being kind of like the first step right like if you think like mythologically like it's about severance from the kind of normal world and kind of this journey this descent to to the unconscious underworld to sort of retrieve something to see something to know something before then like an ascent can happen mm -hmm. again yeah um we can i think we could talk later about like literal dreams and like what we feel our literal dreams are our you know our connection to them but first i want to talk about the film that um we kind of i mean i've seen this film before um big fish directed by tim burton um and remember i remembered liking it i remembered it was like kind of fantastical and whatnot but ty said something yesterday uh, you can also i'll let you repeat what you said that kind of like spurred me to think like wow okay big fish is on netflix i really want to watch it again like i wonder mm, like what will right. what will become of um you know this discussion if we were to watch big fish beforehand and i personally got quite a bit out of it um i have a bunch of notes on it to share but um you were talking about david lynch big mm -hmm. fish what is what does that mean what's the idea of the big fish in terms of like mm -hmm. what you're thinking about right well i was thinking about um on the topic of dreams as we were discussing yesterday i am um, i was thinking about how like the difficulty i guess and the challenge of like like locating a dream as a vision or a dream as like a deep desire that sort of provides a kind of motivational force for really the whole context of your life to unfold not just like a specific project or like kind of like moment but like what are those kind of you know in inner desires that really kind of like set the stage for the whole unfolding of of one's life or one's kind of mind or imagination and it got me thinking about a book by another filmmaker, David Lynch, um, it's called Catching the Big Fish, and it's about sort of his own relation to meditation and kind of like how he, how his creative process works, and he sort of likens ideas that he uses um, for his films to a process of like sitting around uh, like a watering hole and casting a very, very deep um, fishing line to catch the biggest most mm. beautiful fish that lives at the bottom of the well and um it's a really great book it's 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 just like a collection of his own quotes it's not so much like a longer analysis of you know his own reflections but i think it's almost all the better because of that because there's just some great little sort of insights into his own process um but that image really stuck with me um he talks about how a lot of that process like is about in action like you can't mm. actually mm. force the fish to come that's the whole point like the only thing you can do is kind of be still and present to the waiting of fishing right mm. hence also why dreaming is kind of regarded as i mean in kind of our own society you know it's very productivist it's about movement and if you're not moving if you're not, if you're not doing if you're not sort of acting then you're doing nothing that's mm. that's your own like deep moral failing and you <laughs> suck <laughs> Um, and, you know, David Lynch, you know, he, his like kind of biography is also such that it, it's not been easy. He's been, he's, he only until he was like much older, did he actually come upon some money and like, did he profit from his movies? Like he spent years just like 
doing these projects that he was the only one who fucking believed in them. He was the only audience that he had. Mm. But he was just so enraptured in that, in this process and in the joy and in the kind of miracle of being witness to seeing the fish that he could catch that he continued, you know, this kind of process of just making his own little experiments and doing his own little things and, and only later did others kind of come along and sort of affirm that um, secondarily um, but anyway yes this idea of like catching a big fish mm-hmm. uh, then brought to mind for Kaylin the movie Big Fish yeah um, I I mean like I said I have a lot of notes on it but I want to have what was your impression of the film like where did you see mm-hmm. dreams being presented um, I, I was pretty like I don't know I because I'd seen it before there's a kind of a practice that um people might not know about it's like you you can't really analyze a film until you've seen it at least once um you can't analyze upon your first watch so I was like ready with pen in hand you know the metaphor of just like I've seen this before I know the um the basics of how it ends um so I'm ready to take notes um and also, spoiler alert, like, we will be talking about the ending. Um, so if you have not seen Big Fish and you don't want it to be spoiled, you should probably stop listening now until you've watched it. Um, it is on Netflix right now. I don't know for how long, but, um, yeah, go yeah, go ahead with mm. your thoughts. Well, to speak a little bit about the plot or, like, the kind of premise of it, it's, um, there's a, a, a man... He's about in his mid-thirties, and um, he lives in Paris and as like an expat with his wife, and they're about to have a child, and he gets news that his father is unwell, he's dying, and so uh, they return to Alabama, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, uh, Alabama. And, and, you know, this man has struggled, I don't know what's his name, Okay, well, anyway. No, I'll think of it. Um, Will. Will, Will, okay. Will Bloom. Right. Um, He's sort of had a challenge with his father his whole life, where his father has told him all these fantastic stories about um, his own sort of, like, uh, evolution as a person and how he, I don't know, met his mother, for instance, how um, he achieved all these great feats. and Will has always been really frustrated with his father because he feels like he never got the full, true, real account of who his father is. And so as his father's on his deathbed, this is sort of his opportunity to say to his dad, look, I don't know who you are. Mm. Tell me who you are. Like, you just told me all these fabricated, fantastic stories your whole life. And I'm really frustrated because I feel like I was robbed of, like, a true relationship with you. Um can I quote the movie here? Because I think, I think Edward Bloom, his dad's response to that is like an amazing, I've really loved what he said. Um, he says, I've told you a thousand facts. That's what I do. Mm. I tell stories. I've been nothing but myself since the day I was born. If you can't see that, then that's your failing and not mine. Mm. Right. Um, well, I was struck by, I was also reading like, a quote on just like the Wikipedia page of this movie. I think it was from Tim Burton himself, and um, basically what Will realizes at the end of this movie, um, and the movie's just like a kind of um, 
the entertainment value, I guess, comes in, like, with sort of, like, the revisiting these kind of episodes that his father has told him, all these kind of fantastic stories. It's their depictions of that. But what Will realizes at the end of this movie is that fiction is not untruth. Mm. Yeah. Um, Fiction is not a lie. I mean, he realizes that, and I think Tim Burton's quote is something like, what are we are we nothing else than a collection of stories than like an assemblage of tales and you know um of stories right like what is a life if not just a gathering of interpretations about life Mm. there is no sort of true account of life i think is the point it's there's a life is sort of negotiated by how by the, the the kinds of stories that are told, how they're put together, um, and how they're made into like this bigger myth, the bigger myth of of a life, or like a hum- gestalt of a person, mm. and of like a bigger kind of human continuum too, or like a kind of bigger impersonal mm. um, sort of it, a connection to something impersonal and kind of shared and collective. And there's certainly like a lot of like the characters you meet are really like archetypes in that way. Like it's sort of um, the father's. Um, yeah, encountering through these characters um, capital L love or hate or frustration or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, it's a very idealized kind of like movie in that sense also. Um, so I, I found interesting or what I sort of took away from the movie was the necessity of fiction and the necess- necessity of fantasy and of imagination insofar as that's something that uh, constitutes a person yeah it's a good that's a good thing that I actually didn't think about like this necessity of fantasy mm. of because um, you know you get to the end of the movie and you're like okay the Siamese twins quote-unquote are not conjoined mm. but like they're still there they still exist mm. they're still twins it's um, made but not made up I yes yeah, this is a I can't remember the paper that talks about this, but that's a distinction. I like I that. that. Resonates I like here. That. Yeah, totally. Um, any other thoughts regarding the dreams or anything about the film that favorite parts? Anything mm. that struck you? Well, to really spoil it, um, the end scene is really beautiful. Um, Will's with his father, and he's had a stroke, and he's you know close to death, and so his father sort of realizes. That the moment has come, and he tries to tell one more story, but he can't kind of I'm get it out. Chills. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene, and so Will, like the torch, is then like passed on to Will, and he has to. It sort of there's another moment that sets us up. He his father has done all this fantastic stuff in his life because he he when he was young he met a witch, and the witch with her blind eye showed him his fate, his how he would die, and so mm. he realized like okay, if I know how I'm going to go, then I can do everything else, and I know I'll come out unscathed, because I know... I'll be able to live my life to the fullest, because I know this is not how I'm going to die. Right. And so, as his father is, like, unable to get the story out, Will has to step in and, you know, tell his father the story, the story of how he's going to go, the final story, and... And I think Will kind of has this realization that stories are not silly. Stories are not just, like, superfluous junk. That actually, this is how life kind of gets in motion. And how life is sort of, like, dignified. And 
and so the yeah the flame is kind of passed on to him and he becomes a maker i mean there's another mm. like to speak of it like yeah. alchemically like, yeah. there's a deep alchemical resonance <laughs> yes. here of how he becomes like an architect he becomes like a kind of creator of his own life um i mean there's also themes of destiny i don't necessarily want to go into because yeah. that's another discussion but he yeah i think will comes to this realization that life is w truly the meaning you give to it it's um you may not be the storyteller but you're the narrator and i mm. think you're the you're like a co-creator with um the circumstances that be and while you may not have agency there to harken back to this idea of agency you do have agency in terms of how you tell the story what you mm. give importance to the kind of like mood and atmosphere that yeah. you instill it with if you want to enchant it right. or not if you want to activate it or not yeah narrative is deeply tied to that idea of agency as we've explored already um yeah just getting teary while you're <laughs> <laughs> explaining that final scene yeah. i definitely cried I, yesterday a lot about that scene and you know will who has been so resistant to this dreaming of his father his mm. father's a dreamer and i'll go into that in a second um but he was so resistant to it and in the <laughs> the moment of his father's death like that's when he has to activate his power to mm. to, to tie up his father's life in a narrative everyone was there like everyone in the story everyone was there at his death like Mm. <laughs> like that's so beautiful to me like <laughs> yeah mm. so anyway edward bloom <laughs> is a dreamer um and i have a bunch of quotes from the movie um not only is he you know like a small town boy who literally grows too big to be in the town that he's in he becomes a giant in his own town um a big fish if you will um he, you know, he's attached to this dream, to this vision that he has of um, making it out, of being somebody, of being something. And, you know, he like, <laughs> he's a big fish in a small pond and Danny DeVito's <laughs> freaking <laughs> circus, yeah, skeezy circus man slash wolf. <laughs> <laughs> tells him like you're not in the your town anymore like you're in the real world and like mm. you're gonna have to work for this and that's so <laughs> I resonated with that so much of just like it's so easy to to dream in your little town that you are in as we are now mm. and um see see these lives for ourselves visualize these lives for ourselves and then you get out into the real world. Um, not, I really, like, I feel like I've explained this already, but I, you know, left this corner of the world, went to Salt Lake City, and was freaking chewed up and spit back out again. And, like, you do have that reckoning mm. of, like, if you're from a small town, it's like, oh, God, like, no one fucking cares about me out there. Mm. Like, not until I give them a reason to. And that's kind of what this this circus guy says is, like, you're gonna have to prove your worth to me to to for me to let you know about who this girl is like who mm. you just saw on a whim and think that you're gonna marry like prove yourself a little bit um 
he says the reason for my growth was that I was meant for bigger things um Mm. I think is like kind of where this dream this vision of his life begins um when he just like starts randomly growing (laughs) Mm. um and you know also Edward as an old man he's talking to Will's wife um Will's pregnant wife and he starts telling her he goes um have you ever had a a portentous dream she's like what does portentous mean he says it means a dream that you dream and it comes true and he tells about this Mm. story um not only is he a dreamer as in like small town big dreams sort of reality dreamer he's also a dreamer as in sleeping and I dream the future kind of dreams Mm. and um he says he explains that he I forget the character who he says first but he dreams that someone died and someone died the next morning someone died um and then he says and then the next night I dreamt that my father like my father was gonna die um and so my dad went to work (laughs) all day you know was had a horrible day because he was just expecting the (laughs) other shoe to fall and he comes home and he's like he tells his wife tells edward's mom like i've had the worst day like this sucks like having this hang over my head and she goes well you think your day's bad the milkman (laughs) 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 the milkman dropped dead on our doorstep and it's so funny because you get the joke but then it's even funnier because edward says you get it because my mom was banging the milkman (laughs) and that's it was just like so like that moment was so funny to me of just like right you see Edward you see Edward and his like I, there's an insinuation here that he's also just like a cheater and like kind of promiscuous and like you see this like <laughs> this like quality there of like he's with he's in it on his deathbed with his like son's pregnant wife like being an old codger basically and like it's just so such a funny image mm. um but yeah i mean like Edward bloom and to me is the dreamer he's the archetype of the dreamer Mm. not only dreaming big dreams for himself and for his um like life and no and deeply knowing that he's meant for better things Mm. well you have to dream your own dreams Mm. you have to become the i guess the revelation or the kind of like evolution of your own life and reality requires that you sort of recognize or like wisen up to your role in it as the dreamer of it as the as the kind of like you know the epicenter of all of that right Mm. um the way in which like you can tap into your experience or like learn about your own lived experience that's always in tandem or always relative to the kind of like um I don't know, the lens, the kind of, like, dreaming lens that you apply to it, the imaginative lens that you're always kind of projecting onto the world. Um, I had some other thoughts, unless you wanted to talk more no, about... No, I'm... That was just basically the thing that I got from it, was this a dreamer. He's the archetype mm. of a dreamer. And um, to go back to this big fish imagery as a greater thing, like, when you become your dream, you become the big fish. Right. Like the final 
he becomes the story that he has been told. You become what you were looking to catch all along. Exactly. It's in you. I mean, as cliche as that is, yeah. Like, the fish is with he the lives new steeple. In you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Truly. But yeah, he he becomes the story, and with mm. with his mm. death, he becomes literally becomes a story. Mm. Well, that also is an interesting way of thinking about dreams too, because like a dream is not merely just like a singular goal a, a dream is also like the path and like the mm. the kind of the whole context yes. of the stream the river the yeah. ocean itself right mm. um to become the fish to become the big fish is to dream not for things but to i don't know dream about becoming i guess yeah um I wanted to talk about another example that I was I had mentioned to you yesterday also. Um, it's an example from an ethnography by this anthropologist named Keith Basso called Wisdom Sits in Places. Mm. I think the subtext is Notes on Landscape and Language. Um, and Keith Basso, for a couple of years, I think in the late 70s, he, was, he did some field work with a community of um, Western Apache people in Arizona, and he was interested in his question that he kind of stood out with was, "What does it mean to have a sense of place, and um, what informs a sense of place?" And quickly, he realized that in order to consider this question, he had to first learn more about, I guess, Apache Apache ways of understanding the mind to begin with, and in his conversations with. Um, several elders and friends of his he he's introduced to this notion of having a smooth mind that um to become wise is to smoothen one's mind um whereas a rough mind is sort of reactive and um you know foolish and kind of always is sort of um takes things at face value and is kind of um stumped by or kind of um, provoked by minor kind of everyday events a smooth mind is one that has these qualities of uh, intuition to it of mm. being able to see what's not there being able to envision something far beyond what is immediately present it's um it's resilient a smooth mind is has this kind of like technical know-how to know what might be best for oneself or one's family or one's community and to sort of like create like intelligent plans and act on those plans um but one of the qualities of a smooth mind that i think is relevant here with respect to dreams and dream as vision is one crucial quality of a smooth mind is to have the ability to both build visions and then sustain them mm. to have a sense of what is not yet manifest um and to really uphold that and sustain the vision so that one day it might come to pass that that becomes reality it's not just kind of in uh, an idea but um is something that is lived and true um and i think that's it just makes me wonder also like what's required to to sort of like sustain a vision to first mm -hmm. of all have one i think that's yeah. that's like um there's a lot that goes into that but then also to have the kind of like conditioning and strength to sustain that um, and I think, I don't know, just one thing it makes me think of is, like, the necessity of just deliberately devoting 
time to doing that, right? Mm-hmm. To realizing that you can do that to be, there's stuff you can do and you can have a vision. You can build a vision, um, to, I don't know. And there's so many practices that I think people kind of invoke to do that, whether it's keeping a journal or having conversations with a friend or with like a, um, a teacher or an elder, um, yeah. And it's also something that's kind of discovered through process, I think, too. It's not just something that you think about and contemplate about and that it, it does it's it is very inactive in that way, or it's kind of this interaction. But it is also something that's known and discovered through relation with others and with a world context, I yeah. think too. I also I mean to go back to the movie for a second too, I also think that there's the possibility of like, you know, he saw Sandra and he was like that is my capital L love like that is her and he you know goes about like trying to find her by playing games with the circus guy and like finding out what she likes and eventually he you know shows up on her doorstep and is like you you probably don't know me but I love you and whatnot um but she's already engaged and he you know walks away from that and it's like yeah like, I get it, like, you don't even know me anyway, and he says, and I will quote, because it was also <laughs> a part of the movie that I was like, yes, was, um, he's like, a, a fo- only a fool would have gone back and, you know, talked to her and tried to, like, make this into a reality, and he said, truth is, I've always been a fool, mm. and I really love that idea of, like, <laughs> you know, dreaming having dreams having big dreams in a way is foolish Mm. it's but it's capital f foolish in the way like that the fool is Mm. represented the wise fool the tarot version of the fool who is embarking who is about to fall off this cliff and like people are like oh god like you're gonna fall and he's like he's like i he knows what he's doing Mm. and i think that that's a very powerful like not only the fact that, like, yes, dreams are, like, have to be built upon and in terms of a life, but there are also sometimes that, like, shit just hits you electrically and you're like, that's what I want my life to be like. Like, this is, this, I will make this part of my life. And I don't know, for, for me right now, I'm like, I was a dancer in middle school high school a little bit like took classes and um I'm getting back into that by myself and it's like that's such an electric vision that I want for myself is like I want to be dancing and it feels so good to dance and it's been a powerful thing for me recently and like I'm sure we'll have a dancing episode because we also just watched another film Mm -hmm. um about dance but uh yeah I mean like dreams dreams can come in both ways it's like well also Balto Wolf Quest (laughs) (laughs) Balto 2 Wolf Quest um (laughs) another very you know that we could Mm. talk about that with dreams too um because yeah go ahead I was just gonna say I mean I think there's certainly scenarios where dreams are very evident like I want this and I will will this into being Mm. But also, I think there's so many ways in which, and instances in which dreams are not clear, in which it's like, I don't know what I'm moving towards. I don't know the specific, like, kind of, like, fleshed out 
um, result that could happen here. It's more, yeah, like you say, like acting on these kinds of like intuitive gut kind of like subconscious impulses and in a very embodied way, I think feeling them as like, as like, um, I guess arousing, I would say, or as like, um, magnetic mm-hmm. and, and kind of acting from that place. And, and like you say, also, I just wanted to comment on that. Like there's a logic to the dream, mm-hmm. there's dream logic and dream logic is often in contrast to, or in conflict with, um, kind of like pragmatic logic or rational logic yeah. or, um, waking logic it's inconvenient it's um it's uh unclear it's it's opaque and i think um that's also sort of how in sort of taking that leap that's the the dream asks something of you right Mm -hmm. the dream like this big fish like it you have to sacrifice something right or you have to like leave this zone of comfort and kind of like intelligibility to actually make space for this dream to emerge to reveal itself to come forward and i think i mean that's another kind of like very sort of beginning or kind of like founding move is again like severance severance from what is known from what is familiar um in the interest of entering some new territory where something new can be revealed um I have another example I wanted to talk about that I think you'd be interested yeah. in also. Um, as I was thinking about this, I was also thinking about um, Martin Luther King Jr. and which, mm. you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day was a few days ago here in the U.S. And, I mean, talk about someone who really was tapped into this, like, yes. this sense of dreams, they are necessary as a way of, like, building and creating visions such that what is present now might change in the future. You yeah. know, his, of course, famous speech where he says, I have a dream, then, you know, dreams of the many ways in which, or proposes dreams of the many ways in which, you know, civil liberties could have been expanded at the time um, for black people in the United States, people of color. And um, I think what, you know, his example shows, or like what that kind of like moment reveals is that there was also like an an inevitability to that right like Mm -hmm. we we know or he knew i think deeply inside himself that it's simply a matter of time before these changes do happen but nonetheless we need to dream them in order to make them happen right right? um and i think it's also just a really moving way to like mobilize people not just yourself but like Mm -hmm. a whole world of other people too to say to instead of you know certainly there were so many um and continue to be so many challenges and difficulties and real um deficits to like this process of like kind of creating a you know world that is more that is expanded in the kind of like um freedoms and just quality of life that it can offer people right um and of course there could have been this approach that sort of um took this route of leaning into the kind of like the the shortcomings of that right of which there are so many but i think martin luther king was like really attuned to the fact that although that's deeply true what is more powerful in a way or what's more kind of like activating for people mm-hmm. is to imagine what is not yet mm-hmm. to to motivate people to you know take action and to be present and to be vocal by showing them 
the great things that could be um yeah the collective dream mm. dreams are more powerful if they can become collective right um i like i really like that uh tie-in because it is relevant it's always relevant um but yeah i mean we've we've had some conversation about this like bigger dream um do you want to talk at all about like little d dreaming like do you remember your dreams <laughs> do you do you put any stock in remember in paying attention to your dreams like literal dreams i do yeah um I don't always remember my, my own dreams. Um, yeah, but I think um, I've certainly had experiences with dreams uh, where it seems there's some sort of like response or like kind of resolution or um, I guess summation of like whatever might be happening in my kind of exterior life. Um, Have you ever had a prophetic dream where something happened? Maybe in little ways, not like in any kind of like profound or kind of like, um, I don't know, way, but certainly in small ways. I mean, I'm, I know I've had dreams where it's almost like some sort of like collective memory is like kind of being given to me in a dream. I think I mentioned to you is a few years ago is in working in Alaska and it was in a place called Glacier Bay National Park and we were just kind of camping on um I was volunteering and we were camping on just the the edge of the bay and I had a dream that a huge wave came in and kind of just destroyed this whole bay and I kind of had somehow climbed to like a higher ledge and just watched this happen um but the next day I went to a talk that was being given by one of the park rangers and she it was I think to the day like 50 or 60 years since basically like the largest recorded tsunami uh had happened That's you know so like crazy. not 20 miles away and Come had on. just yeah really destroyed this whole area and she was telling this really incredible story of like this father and son who were in the middle of the mm. bay when this happened and they had no time to get to shore and so the father just kind of like reeled up the anchor of this their little boat and they rode the crest of the wave That's and so somehow crazy. made it out. Um, so it's interesting how, yeah, dreams, like, there's, like, how place, I think, comes into play mm. with dreams and how mm. um, a place can sort of reveal itself to you, its past to you, or maybe its future That's through really a dream. That's really cool. That's really, really interesting example. What have, uh, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love, I love that that quality of dreams that it's just like there's deep truth in dreams for me and mm. you know sometimes it's just <laughs> call them bullshit dreams where it's like okay well this is happening because like this is just my subconscious working through things but I've I mean I've had dreams that have come true in really weird and specific like not fun ways like once I think I think I've told you this before but we were on a trip to Denver um, and I, when, as a kid, I was really anxious, like, about my pets when I went away. Like, we used to have a pretty big ranch with goats and chickens and dogs and cats and all sorts of animals. <laughs> but I had a dream that one of my older goats was dying. And I was, like, in this dream, I was, you know, the age I was, probably, like, eight or nine and running around. And, like, 
having to go run and tell my mom that he was dying or, um, you know, not wanting to be a part of that situation of like, I know that my animal is dying, but I don't want to see him die. And that we went, I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I'm really scared about, I think his name was Ralph. I'm pretty, I know we had a goat named Ralph, but I'm pretty sure this was Ralph that was, it was happening to. Um, and I was like, I, I think Ralph's going to die. Like we need to get home. Like, I really just want to go home and see him. And when we got home, he was freaking laying on his side, like Mm. the goats do when they're in pain. And he wasn't dead yet, but basically almost to the, like, I, I, like I was living in my vision. I was living in my dream of like, my goat is dying and my mom is out there like, like dealing with it and helping him pass um <laughs> a really <laughs> I'm like looking at the time like wow I'm really gonna end it on that but <laughs> well maybe we could in the last couple of minutes transition from that um <laughs> Anyway, please take me uh, out of this. I guess it's just like a provocation that maybe we're sort of bringing forward for ourselves and whoever might be listening that <laughs> um, your goat might be dying, so watch out. No, um, no like I think this... Um, <laughs> I think the what I'm curious about now in light of this conversation is... Like, yeah, how can I, like, build and kind of, like, bolster and make space for um, dreams and desires to come forward and to really deeply hear them and see them and know them and feel them and in turn to then consider, like, what is the kind of, what are the actions that are being, I'm being sort of, like, called to, I don't know, to enact? Like, what are the kind of responsive actions that arise relative to like the clarity that I might see in those dreams. Yeah, totally. The dream like the intuition that begets dreams and mm-hmm. that it begets each other's dreams and beget intuition. Right, yeah, they cycle I think is a yeah. important point. Yeah. Well, I could talk about dreams for forever. Like I freaking I don't know. I just think they're a really powerful <laughs> like facet of being a human. Like, I think it's, well, and, and, you know, being an animal, like, being, Mm. having an animal brain, dogs dream, like, a lot of other animals, mammals dream, lizard, according to the medicine (laughs) cards, dream. Um, Yeah, it's a very interesting and powerful part of being a human to me. Well, and we're in a dream, I mean, in the sense, like, (laughs) by which I mean this whole you know we're we're all collectively imagining and Mm. creating and dreaming all the time and we come together and we you know exist on in accord with that Mm. so wise enough to it i think is also the lesson and like become an agent in your dreams i think is like become an arbiter of your dreams um um on that note unless you have anything to no contribute further i (laughs) no i really um i 
yeah, I like I said, I could talk about it all day. So it might be best to just put a pin in it for now. And of course, I'm sure this will be a topic that'll be like in and out of other discussions. But um, once again, thank you for listening. If you have found this podcast and you know us, deeply appreciate you listening um, and sharing. If you don't know us, welcome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know us, yeah. I'm, I mean, trying to not to be an apologetic person, but, like, <laughs> hope you can keep up. <laughs> thanks for um, listening, everyone. Thanks for listening.